0: at this time, we're going to have our sermon brought to us today by uh, Elder Barnabas Grayson, and it is entitled, Discipleship. Good afternoon, everyone. I guess some of you may have noticed I have somewhat of a limp or a gimp or something wrong with my leg. <laughs> it's been like that for about uh three and a half weeks and it's, i'm I'm not uh you know usually you can brag about uh, a soreness or some kind of a sprain because you say, well, it happened while I was in sports you know this time' it's, you're just walking along and uh Something just gives. So uh, anyway, if I sit down some too long, I can't get up. I mean, I can get up, but I really have to psych myself up. And uh, when I walk, I want um, I really favor my leg. And you know, when I uh, pray and when I think about others who have soreness or weakness or some kind of a you know a constant steady uh, pain it makes me a little bit more compassionate. So, I you know, things happen to us, I guess, like they say, for a reason. And uh, I'm getting over it, but in case you're w- wondering, I think some of you may have noticed a couple of weeks ago that I kind of limped away from here and had to throw my arms out to get be balanced, you know. So here I am today, and here you are today. And I suppose by this time you have your... Uh outline of the sermon that I have this afternoon. Now, we have all been called to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and his teachings and to carry what we learn and what we study uh, forward, to carry it onward. So today we're going to look at some of the examples of the apostles and, and the disciples of his day and see what it takes to be a disciple. I think most of us. Pretty well know what it takes. Over the years, we see the ups and downs of being a disciple. So, both of uh, the young and the old, keeping the Sabbath today, and worship of God, and doing those things, of learning His ways, uh, we're becoming a disciple. You know, we're not perfect yet, but in the days and in the years to come, we. And the more we study, the more we grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So what's it like to be to have been a disciple in those days when Jesus called his disciples? Now, a disciple is a student, it's a learner. It's a follower of their teacher and their teachings. So, discipleship also means to be in support of the teacher's faith and his instruction in following along. I suppose many, over the years, have had teachers that we have had in our life who have made an influence uh, on us, who have been sort of our second uh, family member. When I was growing up in uh, elementary school, uh, there were some teachers that I liked and some teachers that I didn't and some teachers really made a difference. And because they were one on one with you, they would talk to you, they would uh, guide you, they would tell you uh, things. It's as, as though they took an interest in you. Then, as I got into uh, junior high and high school, it, I kind of looked up to my coaches. And once uh, there was a science teacher that I had who uh, took an interest in what I was doing, you know, outside of class. You know, but I told you this story before, but. Uh, you know, I said that I w- had uh, taken up some boxing, and uh, he asked me after uh, after I'd been gone. He asked me how I did in the ring, and I said uh, that. You know, he, d- he asked me, "Did you do any soul advertising?" And I thought that well I didn't know what he meant, and I know what he means now. And you know, did you get knocked down to the canvas, and the bottom of your shoe showed uh, the advertisement of that particular shoe, and so so there are a lot of teachers who approach things in a humorous way, in a wise way, and sometimes in a very corrective way. So we have as our guide, as our coach, as the captain of our salvation, Jesus Christ. Uh, He he speaks to us through his word. And that word sometimes as we go along in life, we uh, face some kind of a trial or trouble, those words come back to us. So in a way he is speaking to us, correcting us, leading us, guiding us, because he knows those who are his, and he sees that we are his disciples. In John chapter 1, verse 29, beginning there, now the first followers of Jesus happened to be the disciples of John, and in verse 29, when John saw Jesus coming unto him, he said, behold, the Lamb of God, look, the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. So there's the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. He was was speaking of a person greater than he was, and we know, we've read elsewhere, where uh, it said that John the Baptist, no greater has there been, among men that are born of women, that there has not risen a greater than John the Baptist, but notwithstanding in he s- uh, the, uh, that he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Matthew eleven eleven. So you, you realize how great uh, a person that John the Baptist was preaching the word paving the way for Jesus Christ. Now, he was great, but notwithstanding, we can take this to heart, that he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So, verse 31, John the Baptist said, I, And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest, you know, made known to Israel. Therefore, I am come baptizing with water, and John bare records saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. This would be the sign that to John of, of how the Father w- was showing the Savior to him, the one that they were looking for, that he was looking for. Verse 33, And I knew him not, didn't know him, even though, you know, John the Baptist, were, they was cousins to uh, Jesus. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom ye shall see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So all that time, perhaps day after day, John the Baptist was preaching there in the wilderness and baptizing, remembering these words that uh, was told to him, that when you see this dove come in, uh, abode on his head then you will know that that is the Christ. So we have to kind of put ourselves in that position where we are like John the Baptist looking for the Savior. But he bear record that this is the Son of God. Again the next day after that is you know where it said John stood. So John was standing with two of his, his disciples it says and looking upon Jesus as he walked he said Behold the Lamb of God. So John saw Jesus walking along, and he said, Look, the Lamb of God. So, you know, as we look for the Lamb of God, we see him in the words that have been written for our benefit today from, from the Holy Bible, from both the Old and the New Testament. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned, and he saw them following, and said unto them, What seek you?" They said unto him, Rabbi, which is, the, which is being interpreted, Master, where dwellest you? Like, where are you staying? They were asking. And he said unto them, Come and see. And they came, they saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour, it was around uh, 4 p.m. in the afternoon. Then one of the two which heard him, John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother first finds his uh, own brother Simon and he said unto him we have found the Messiah which is being interpreted the Christ and he brought him that is Simon he brought Simon to Jesus and when Jesus beheld him when he looked upon Simon he said you are Simon the son of Jonah you shall be called Cephas which is by interpretation a stone you're going to be called a stone so the day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said unto Philip, Follow me. And so there was an appeal that Jesus made to those who would become his disciples, and he knew. Perhaps vetted each and every one of them. He knew them. Matthew 10, verse 1. Jesus called his disciples, and their names are listed here in chapter 10. And he gave them special power. He gave them also warning. And so as we read these words that were written to them, we also can see our calling. We can also see him speaking also to us and giving us war- warning. So in verse 1, when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, and he gave them power against unclean spirits. He gave them power against these unclean spirits spirits, to cast them out, and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. That is a power that he gave them at that time, and today we wonder, we scratch our head, you know, why isn't this all uh, done today? But verse 2, now the names of the 12 apostles are these, the first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, imagine at some time in the future way off in the distance thousands or two thousands of years ago our names could be listed as disciples so these were called apostles <coughs> Christ called them apostles because they they were taught directly by uh, Christ by him now the literal meaning of apostle is uh, sent ones those sent now Philip and Bartholomew. Paul, Thomas and Matthew, the publican, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Labaeus, whose name was Thaddeus. There was also Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Now these were these went forth by Christ on their first mission, and they were given instructions. Christ gave them instructions to follow. So these 12, verse 5, sent forth and commanded them, saying, Don't go into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans. Don't enter there. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So they were only go to go to the Jewish uh, cities and not to the uh, way of the Gentiles. And verse 7, And as you go, as you go toward those places, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven, Is at hand, which is, you know, a common phrase that we hear when we go to uh, Sabbath services, when we hear the word or look at the word of God, that there is a kingdom that is going to come and that it is at hand. It is close. And it gets closer every day. And he said, as you go and preach, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. So, you know, don't charge for. Uh, For anything for this or that or ask for any favors but provide also neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses which is you know their money belts. so they were not supposed to take those things that they might need along the way because in their faith and in their trust they were going to please God and he would take care of those things verse 10 nor script you know no bags for your stuff for your journey neither Two coats or two tunics, neither shoes or sandals or footwear, nor yet staffs, which are you know staffs. For the workman is worthy of his his meat, and people will recognize their sacrifice, the things that they were doing for their benefit, and without uh, a- uh, them asking, they would give them things that they needed. So they were to rely on the hospitality of those they preached to. So those apostles, you know, they didn't have the cars, they didn't have the technology, the cell phones that uh, we have today. But he said to them, into whatsoever city or town you shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till you go from there. And when you come into the house, salute it, and if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And what's, and whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when ye depart out of the house or city, shake off the dust of your, your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the, in the day of judgment than for that city. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves, be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So when we, you know, come to Sabbath services, when we're out among, in, among the people in the city, the, the, this scripture here probably does not have as much uh, threat to us or much warning to us. But in a way, we are still in the midst of wolves, and we're to be wise as serpents. And so there are places that you don't want to be. So they were given, they weren't given any ticket to uh, to any tour, no tour in paradise, but God would see to their care. Now, if you heard words like that, you're going to be sent uh, forth uh, as sheep in the midst of wolves, it wouldn't sound all that encouraging, and right then and there you would know that the mission would be difficult. So 17, beware of men they will deliver you up to the councils and they will scourge you in their synagogues. So they were told to expect some of these things that would come along as they tried to deliver the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. And when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak. For it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. For it is not you that speak, but the spirit of your father which uh, speaks in you. Verse 21, And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death because of the gospel that they were preaching, the gospel that they believed in. Families would turn against them, brethren would turn against them, So there was this kind of warning, this kind of expectation that could have discouraged the weaker at heart. And he said, and you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endures unto the end, the same shall be saved. But when they persecute you in this city, flee you into another, for verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man comes. Now that was then and it is this is now. So how could it apply to Christ's disciples today? How can it ac- apply to our life today? We see that this gospel that Jesus gave them was ex- uh, was to be carried throughout history and through the tribulation before Christ returns and so in a way these this expectation, this warning that Jesus gave the early disciples can be for us today and it could also be for the disciples who are to come in Matthew 24 verse 12 it says that lawlessness that iniquity shall abound that the love of many shall grow cold and that there will come a time when people not only will be turning it against each other but will hate one another but he said For uh, it will, you know, this is going to call for endurance to the end. But and it says that he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. And this, but this gospel shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Now, as God cares for the sparrows, and not one of them falls without His His knowing. He said to them, Matthew 10, uh, verse 30, he said to them, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. And I would suppose, just my own guess, that, you know, you got hairs all over the place. On your face, under your nose, on your chin, etc., etc. But fear you not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Whosoever there sh- shall, therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. So in all their way and along their way, they were to acknowledge that they were the disciples of Christ, preaching a gospel that he taught them, that he... Uh, that they learned from him. And he said to them, Don't think that I have come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foe shall be they of his own household. This is one of the costs of discipleship. But a true disciple must carry on uh, whatever burden that is laid upon him and still follow Jesus. Verse 37, it says, He that loves father or mother more than me, not worthy of me. And he that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that takes not his cross and follows after me is not worthy of me. So he that finds his life shall lose it, And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. He that receives you receives me, and he that receives me receives him that sent me, that is the Father. To receive them, these apostles who were preaching the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, to receive them would be like receiving Jesus Christ. And so when we read from the holy book about these apostles like you know uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John what they have written reading that, we receive their word it's like receiving the very same teachings that Jesus Christ uh, gave to them verse 41 he that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward and he that receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's uh, reward. So we see that the apostles, they were the prophets, they were the disciples, they were the teachers of the of the things of Christ. In verse forty two, and whosoever shall give drink unto one of these little ones, a cup of cold water, in the name of the disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. So as a representative of Christ, you give even a cup of water to a little child you will surely be rewarded these little things you think well they're insignificant little things but God takes notice he sees what you have done in in his name he t- you know, he takes note of even the smallest thing that we do in his honor John chapter 2 we see that there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee and both Jesus was called along with his disciples they were invited the marriage his mother was there and it was there that the Jesus did his first recorded uh, miracle turning water instantly uh, uh, into the best tasting wine John chapter 2 and verse 3 there came a time at, during the wedding that they wanted wine and the mother of Jesus said unto him there is no wine we have no wine <coughs> and Jesus said unto her, "Woman, what have I to do with you?" Now, some interpretations read, uh, "Why do you involve me? My hour or my time is not yet come," which you know was referring to his coming sacrifice. Now, this, to some, the tone of this phrase, "Woman, what have I to do with you?" may sound respectful, but in Greek, the term "woman" is g u n e goon and it is one of respect. So his mother said unto the servants, Whatsoever he says unto you, do it. And there were set three, six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins. Now these stone pots, they were used for uh, cleansing before and after meals, so the wine was in those uh, jars, and uh, perhaps if those that were there knew where they came from, it might have been unthinkable to drink from. So there was a lot of wine made. There's about nine gallons each, amounting to over a hundred gallons. And if there was some significant to this amount of wine, I don't know, but it, you know, it must have filled the need for everyone needing more wine. So Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. And he filled it, filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bare it. They took it to the governor. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the uh, water that was made wine and knew not uh, whence it was, but the servant which drew this water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said unto him, every man at the beginning does set forth good wine." And when men have well drunk, then they, which is, uh, which is worse, but, they have, but you have kept the good wine until now. So this wine had to be, have been the most well-tasting wine that man has ever known. So what was the significance of, of this uh, miracle of, of the wine? We read here in verse 11 how John explained it. He said, this beginning of miracles, this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. So it was uh, for the glory of Jesus. And Jesus was the word. He was God in the flesh. He was creator. And so when you think about it every year, uh, when the growing season begins, in the spring, miracles take life. They take place in life. You know, There's the barley, the wheat, the plants, the trees, the vines, and all the things that uh, do their thing, producing fruit. And the water in the grape turns to a sweet juice. And when it is picked, it immediately begins to ferment the, fer- the fermentation process and over time produces good wine. So here at the wedding celebration in Cana, water was instantly transformed into wine as a miracle and there his disciples they saw that power and their faith was strengthened so we see that the apostles they were first called christians in antioch in antioch they were recognized as a uh, distinct group now barnabas had been sent there and the group had grown through his teachings, and he sent for Paul, and they ministered a full year there. In Acts 11, then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, In verse 26, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. When you look at the ending of this uh, word uh, Christian, the, there's you know, it ends with three letters, I-A-N, which means a belonging to a party, and in this case, the party of Christ, the party of Jesus. So Christians were more and more, as one writer noted, being separated from Judaism. Remember, you know, the Jews in Jerusalem, they had heard that the Apostle Peter had met with the Gentiles and They desired an explanation and because some of them had mixed feelings about uh, what transpired. For there were the circumcised believers who adhered to the law of Moses and that it was not the practice of Jews to eat at the same table with the Gentiles as they heard that the apostle Peter had done. Acts 11, familiar with the story, verse 1. And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So the message was being preached. The disciples were spreading the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, you went in to men uncircumcised and did eat with them. But Peter rehearsed the matter. From the beginning, and he expounded it by order unto them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa, I was praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, a certain vessel descend, as it had been a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even to me, upon the which, when I had fastened my eyes, I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, And creeping things and the fowls of the air. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered into my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven. He said, It said, What God has cleansed, that call not you common. And this was done three times. And all were drawn up again into into the heaven, and behold, immediately there were three men already, who came to the house where I was sent from Caesarea, unto me. So you know the three uh, had uh, was kind of prophetic of these these men coming to him, and the Spirit bade me go with him, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house, and he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house which stood and said unto him send men to Joppa and call for Simon whose surname is Peter so we see how the spirit of God is working in spreading getting together uh, those who would come to Jesus Christ through these uh, servants these these apostles verse 14 who shall tell these words whereby you and all your house shall be saved And as I began to speak, Peter said, the Holy Spirit fell on me, as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the word, on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God and when they heard these things those men in Jerusalem when they heard these things they held their peace and glorified God saying this very important statement about what the message the gospel is going to do then has God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life Matthew 28 so Jesus gave his disciples a commission in verse 16 and this was after he was resurrected and he met them on a mountain and verse 16 and then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had uh, appointed them to meet him there and when they saw him they worshipped him but some doubted was this really Jesus was this the man who was uh, sacrificed who was slain and was resurrected, And Jesus came and he spoke unto them saying all power, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And he told them go you therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you and lo I am with you always even unto the end. Of the world, and so we have seen these uh, scriptures before in the past, and we have wondered, well, is, is uh, or how are we going to do this? Is the organization, in some way, going to do this? So the commission was to go, be therefore, and make disciples of these nations, and also to remember the things that Jesus warned about, that He made known to them. Matthew twenty four. Verse 4, here Jesus answered, he said unto his disciples, he said, take, no, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. For many shall come in my name. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So, you know, we hear of these things all the time. It's been going on ever since. The beginning of time. Nation shall rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines. And pestilences and earthquakes. In different places. But all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up. To be afflicted. So he's telling the disciples. You're going to be delivered up. To be afflicted. He was telling that to you know that time. Back then. Is it telling us today. That we too may be delivered up to be afflicted. And they shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all uh, nations for my name's sake. Many shall be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. False prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Sometimes we think of prophets as being in the religious realm, or or being (coughs) people who, uh, know about Christ or God but you know sometimes the prophets are sometimes these people that make predictions bold predictions about things that are to come and shall deceive many and some, bu- and some will take up with them but because iniquity shall abound the love of many shall wax cold and so we have to be on guard that our love doesn't wax cold because of the things that are done of, or the things that we hear he that shall endure unto the end the same shall be saved and this gospel shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Ver- uh, skip down to verse uh, 20. Pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. So we know what it's like when cold weather comes. We know it's very uncomfortable. But imagine if that time came in the winter. It would be good for us You know, uh, to pray every, at least every once in a while that our flight, that our calling to flee, will uh, not be on a cold winter day. And then he said, "Neither on the uh, pray that your flight, neither be on the Sabbath day." Something I've always always wondered about, because the Sabbath day, people will know, hey, you're keeping you worshiping God on 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 a day that is not what religionists or Protestant Christianity is doing, because they're keeping Sunday. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor ever shall be. And except those days shall be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. No flesh be saved alive. But for the elect say, those days shall be shortened. So if any man say unto you, Lo, here is Christ or theirs, believe it not, because there will arise false Christ, false prophets. And they're going to show all kinds of signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. And he says, Behold, I have told you before. Luke 24, it says that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So as disciples of Christ, How much of this will fall to our lot in this age? You know, the Bible says that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because, you know, very few know about what the word of God says and how to be uh, a true Christian following the ways of Jesus Christ. And so we look around and we see that there are signs of impending judgment because there are all kinds of sins and there are all kinds of abominations and they hide it not so all is out kind of in the open hatred, bigotry, injustice perversions, lying, corruption people suffering in all sorts of ways it's kind of like we're, we're all being fed and fatted for, for the kill because we keep ourselves in our own little area thinking and enjoying, you know, the things around us, but we see also that the Lord will do nothing unless he warns his prophets, gives them a warning, Mark 10, 14, skip a couple of uh, verses here. that we should receive the kingdom as a little child. That we need to be humble, that we need to be trustworthy, trusting in God, knowing whom we will follow. Now in Luke 14, we have to count the cost, see what it's going to take. Because John 8 then said, Jesus, to those which believed in him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. And John uh, thirteen thirty-five, And by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Now I've listed on your out, uh, outline there that there are tests of discipleship. Here's just a few. You can probably go through the, the Bible and find other tests. Some of us have had these kind of tests. For example, in obedience, John 14, 15. It's one of the tests of discipleship. So you know, sometimes we let down and obey. We go astray. In John 14, 15, it says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And the second Another test is in that of faithfulness. John fifteen eight, Herein is my father glorified, the scripture says, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. By putting faith in the word of God, by growing in grace and knowledge, we bear those uh, fruits. And the third one. We're to, con- to continue in the word. John chapter 8. Verse 31, it says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you disciples indeed. So there are a lot of things in life that might want to make us give up, might want us to turn, turn a, a aside. Then the fourth one is love. John thirteen thirty five, it says, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. And then six, there's humility. Matthew 10:24 through 25, that the disciple is not above his master nor the servant above his Lord, being humble in all ways, not trying to stand out like you, uh, we are somebody. Now each one of these scriptures, of course, they're just a single scripture and uh, it would be do, do you well, I guess, and to uh, <coughs> read them in context verse uh, the seventh one is surrender 1 Corinthians 6:19 it says what know ye not that your body is the temple of the holy spirit which is in you which you have of god and you are not your own the eighth one is endurance Romans 12:1 where it says i beseech you brethren by the mercies of god that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy Acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And the ninth one, to bear the burdens. We all have burdens. We all have trials. We all have heaviness in our lives sometimes and pains. Luke 14, 27. For whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciples. Sometimes when you have pain, when you have a trial, you're not feeling good, it's Really hard to put your heart into something to go on about continuing your study, your studies, your prayer, and all those things. Now we know that there are rewards of discipleship. And in Matthew 12, we read, verse 46, while he talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood outside desiring to speak with him, and then one said unto him, Behold, your mother and your brethren, stand outside without, desiring to speak with you. But he answered and said unto him that told him, Who is my mother and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples, and he said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. So this is how Jesus thinks of each and every one of us. We are his brother. That we are his sister. That we are that he, uh, and the same as my brother and sister and mother. So we are a family. John chapter twelve. We read this earlier, I think. He that loves his life shall lose it. He that hates his life in this world shall keep it until unto life eternal. Right now we are in a spiritual, a sinful state of just being subject to carnal desires and waywardness. But our aim is for a better world that is yet future, a better condition and eternal life that is to come. Verse 26, if, if, if any man serve me, let him follow me. Where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, he will be my, if he, him will my father honor. You know, there is an evil in this age in which we live. The poles are strong trying to draw us into the world, into temptations and into sin, things that can take us off the track so easily. Come out of her, said the Lord God, that you be not partakers of her sins. So as Christ's disciples, as learners, we are to make known the gospel of Christ by our example and things we say, and what we do. It's about being humble. It's about keeping our eyes on the future and on Jesus Christ as our guide in life and also teaching the word and holding fast to that which is good in obedience to God and not men. I'd like to close with the opening scripture that we read. In closing, John... Chapter 8, verse 31. Then said Jesus to, to those Jews which believed on him, he said, if you continue in my word, then are you disciples indeed. And these very words say the same thing to you and me. If you continue in my word, then you, you are my disciples indeed.